Hey, everybody. My name's Corey, and this is a podcast. It is uh, Midnight Corey. It is a podcast that is very extremely controversial, that is extremely risque. I will say things that will offend everybody, and you won't even be able to take me. <laughs> of course, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, that's just kind of in response to something on the website this week. But welcome. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that you take time out of your week to listen to just some guy that talks about zombies in a radio voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got a lot of things to talk about this week. But uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even want to do this this week because I am suffering from severe allergies. Uh, things going on that no medicine on God's green earth can remedy. Uh, it's just miserable. And I was this way last year and this year. Here we go again. So good times. Nothing but smiles and laughter here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, let me just mention a couple things before we go on here. Uh, first off, this is something I've been neglecting for a lot of weeks. That is that this is the official podcast of the Italian zombie movie, parts one and two, and soon part three. Oh, yes, yes, I love those guys. And uh, it's great movies. I'm going to review them again at uh, Mr. Tom Burdinsky's suggestion. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, but you should check them out. They're on Amazon. I think I got links up on my website at midnightcory.com. Uh, something else that's really cool is Root Rot's blog. That's the Witch's Hat at witcheshat.wordpress.com. Um, yeah, he's just talking about some really cool movies, writing a lot of stuff, putting up audio and video. Uh, he's bringing guests in to write things like Rob Best, uh, Stephen from JAFMP, Johnny T, a lot of others. Really cool. But that's Root Rot. Root Rod, yeah. And also go check out the Corpse Collective at corpsecollective.com. A lot of great, great stuff being posted up there uh, pretty much daily, I think, anymore. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as my movie goes, my little short film, things are still rolling along uh, very slowly. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's in part due to the allergy thing, and I just don't want to do anything. <laughs> at all. But uh, I did accomplish something quite substantial this week in the uh, the department of gore and special effects and fake blood, lots of blood, very messy, messy corn syrup blood that is uh, very sticky. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, the wife is loving this whole venture of mine, I'll tell ya. <laughs> uh, oh man, uh, yeah, so uh, I'll be posting hopefully another video update here very soon. I haven't done that in a while. I apologize, but things are going well. Uh, yeah, so other things. Here's what's coming up on the podcast. Just to let you know, I was so excited this week to talk to my good friend, Brian Kaufman, a.k.a. Brian in Colorado. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great guy. Uh, we sat down and talked about a lot of things, uh, such as his novel, Dead Beyond the Fence, and a whole lot of other stuff. So, yeah, that was really exciting. We'll be hearing that here in a little bit. And going through zombie history, now we're still in the early 40s when there were a lot of zombie movies coming out because there was a big zombie boom after the success of White Zombie. But uh, I, I look at Lugosi's return to zombie movies here in 1942, we have Bowery at Midnight. And then in 1944, we have Voodoo Man. Ooh, 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 boy, oh boy. These are both... Freely available for you to download and watch at archive.org. You can just do a search right there for these two films. Yeah, so I'll be talking about those. Brian in Colorado actually also 
supplies this week's review of beers, got some voicemails that I'm really excited to play, and got more original music for you. Whoop-de-doo, how about that? Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about other... Yeah, yeah, I'll just admit this right now, I was feeling just so... Uh, just so down because of the allergy thing. I'm so miserable, constantly blowing my nose, that I did nothing for the show this week. Nothing. No articles, no zombie stuff. I think McPierce sent me something, and I, I, I might put that in the show notes, but I don't even I, I don't even know where to find that right now. I just, uh, that's the state that I'm in. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna just move right along with the show. Did you notice a sign on the front of my house that said dead African-American storage? Did you notice a sign in the front of my house that said dead African-American storage? No. You know why you didn't see that sign? Because storing dead African-Americans ain't my fruity tootin' business. Review of beers again this week by Brian in Colorado. And this is actually extra special this week because we're hearing from Brian in Colorado in the interview. So if you listen to that, you can come back, listen to the beer review, and just pretend that my voice is his voice. Because now you know what it sounds like. So, yeah. But let's go on ahead with uh, this week's review of beers. I've been doing beer reviews for a while now, and I wanted to say a brief word about what that task entails. Each week, I browse the shelves of various liquor stores, searching for something new that might interest your listeners. I haunt the single shelves, a sad echo of my dating years, hoping for a new horror-themed beer, often settling for something with a clown or a farm animal on the label. Then, I take the beer home and I drink it. That can be a problem if the beer's really bad. You might think that I'd pour a bad brew down the sink, but I was raised to believe that when you die, St. Peter holds you upside down in a vat of all the beer you've wasted, and I don't want to drown in the afterlife. If, on the other hand, the beer is good, I'm left wishing I'd bought more. There is no in-between. There's either disgust or longing. Another sad echo of my dating years. Then, I sit down to write my review. I try to mention the color, the head, the aroma, or the taste, and the finish. Then I try to think of something interesting to say. Sometimes I tie the beer in to an event from my past. Sometimes I just rant. Cutthroat Porter is a product of Odell's, a Fort Collins microbrewery. I've mentioned them before, but never to talk about one of their dark beers. I don't generally like porters, so I've neglected that end of the beer spectrum. But if I'm ever going to crack into the upper echelon of beer reviewers, I need more than a slogan. On a side note, I'm considering copywriting the phrase review of beers, a clever variation on the old hackneyed title, beer review. In part, I need to broaden my beer horizons, covering all manner of brews. So I grabbed a bottle of Cutthroat and sat down to write my latest step on the road to reviewing fame and fortune. Cutthroat Porter pours with a dark brown, almost black color. The light tan head lasts, leaving the requisite foam mustache after the first sip. The aroma has hints of both chocolate and vanilla, and mindful of the grain, I was reminded of a bakery, the kind that serves beer. The flavor is all chocolate, brown sugar, coffee, and malt, without the bitterness I sometimes find in porters. Cutthroat is smoother than I expected, finishing light and dry. All told, a wonderful drinking experience for the first beer. Don't ask about the second beer. I didn't have one. And since I live in the mountains, an hour from town, I was left with a longing and nothing to satisfy it. I could have inserted another reference to my singles years here, but that would be in bad taste and probably one too many times to the same well. Odell's website says that Cutthroat was inspired by, quote, classic London porters. This is a dark, silky brew, aided in its excellence by 5.1% alcohol. 
On the Midnight Cory scale, Cutthroat Porter is a solid 8. If I'd had two, I might have given it a 9. Odell's brews are available by the 12-ounce bottle in nine states, mostly along the Rocky Mountains. They're worth searching for. By the way, Cutthroat has a fish on the label. No clowns this week. Brian in Colorado. Jeez, thank you. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here tonight. It's good to be back in the country. Great, you know, great audience, right? And we want to do uh, something in town. We haven't come for a while. And all through our American tour, you know, we never did nothing like this. And we're going to start uh, now, but from one of our first albums. Uh, goes something like this. Here we go this week talking about a couple more zombie movies from the early 40s. Of course, these two represent Bela Lugosi's return to zombie cinema. You know, and in these two, he is really starting to show his age. He looks kind of tired, you know, but he still looks cool. I mean, he still has that Bela Lugosi look and he acts exactly how you'd expect him to act. But, you know, this is definitely during the downhill slide of his career where he, he pretty much did anything he possibly could to earn extra money. And I guarantee you, if there was such a thing as a uh, horror convention back then, Lugosi would have had a table at every one, charging 20 bucks for his autograph and acting all high and mighty. <laughs> yeah. But the two movies of his that I'm talking about today are both Poverty Row movies made by the good old studio Monogram. So here we go. From 1942, it's Bowery at Midnight. How are you, my pet? Hungry, eh? Well, you shall have food and a new companion, too. Bowery at Midnight is, of course, Monogram's cash-in. 
on zombie crime movies that we've seen before, uh, such as The Walking Dead, you know, Karloff, the whole Karloff-Lugosi thing. You know, I think Lugosi had a little bit of that competition with Karloff going at the time. But this is a very, very weird movie. Um, the plot goes like this. During the daytime, Bela Lugosi uh, plays a university professor. He actually has a dual role in this film. Um, he goes by the name of Professor Brenner, but by night... He runs this rescue mission for the homeless under the name of Carl Wagner, using it as a front for his criminal activities, including burglary, murder, theft, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then the people he kills, he keeps them buried underneath the mission in this secret burial room. Um, and the rescue mission, you know, it's also called a Bowery, so they call it a Bowery here. Now, the janitor who works at the Bowery, whose name is Doc, has been going down into this room where all the bodies are buried and bringing them back to life so that he can unleash all these zombies on Wagner because the janitor is sick and tired of Wagner's lies and his crime and the way he does stuff. So he's going to get kind of his revenge on Wagner. And uh, that's basically what happens. You know, overall, the, the movie is actually pretty lame. <laughs> uh, clear up until the very end or at least something dramatic happens. Uh, the crime isn't that great. Um, it's not even really horror at all. This movie barely qualifies as horror. It's much more of a crime movie, and the only horror is the kind of pit of zombies that's down there, but you only see them in, like, two scenes. And um, and then even at the end, where you see the zombies, and Carl is actually thrown into the zombie pit, um, it's not really that cool. You know, I mean, sure, you know, throwing this guy into the pit of hungry zombies is cool and all, but uh, there's no violence with it at all. You don't see anything, no blood. And, and then what's really funny is that the policemen see this happening. They see them throw Wagner into this pit. They see the zombies ripping him apart. And they just shrug it off. And they say, well, that takes care of him. And, uh, you know, like having a man ripped apart in the zombie pit is something that police consider to be quick and fair punishment for a man who's committed uh, a number of crimes. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, never in the movie do they actually say the word zombie, I don't believe. They're just bringing the dead back to life. Uh, the janitor talks about how hungry they are. And uh, he keeps them down there, keeps them hungry. Um, but like I said, there's no blood, there's no gore, no violence, hardly anything. Um, and overall, it got pretty bad reviews, which you could <laughs> expect. <laughs> it's very low budget. <laughs> but there is one huge, huge thing about this movie, and it has to do with what it has contributed to zombie cinema. And that is right here, we have the very first zombie flesh eaters. They are hungry, they rip apart Carl Wagner at the end. And that is the first time we've ever seen anything like that in uh, zombie films. So a lot of people attribute that to George Romero for Night of the Living Dead. But no, look, I mean, 19, I mean, we're, we're, what, 24 years before that. Or no, 26 years before Night of the Living Dead with Bowery at Midnight. And uh, already we have Flesh Eaters. So yeah, that's something that was done already. But overall, pretty lame, pretty stupid. Uh, you know, Lugosi plays two roles. Uh, it's just, yeah, whatever. But anyhow, I'm going to give this one a 4 out of 10. Uh, it's a good thing you can download it for free because it's really not worth paying for. Moving right along to Lugosi's next zombie film, also made by Monogram, called Voodoo Man from 1944. What do you make of this, Ralph? I don't know. I can't figure it out. She doesn't seem to be suffering any pain. That's something. 
You know, she looks like a person that's in a trance. Yes, doesn't she? That outfit she's wearing, where in the world did she get it? Search me. Last time I saw her, she had on a sort of a greenish suit. You no. Know, I've seen people act like that in pictures. What do they call them, zombies or something? No, no, honey, there aren't any such people. That's only a scenario writer's nightmare. I know I wrote one once. This one, once again, is very low budget. But uh, let me tell you about uh, something that uh, is at least a little bit more substantial than what we've seen in Bowery at Midnight. And that's that we have a couple other uh, big names starring in the movie. Uh, you know, on top of Bela Lugosi, we also have John Carradine. <laughs> and uh, he co-stars. And uh, I actually liked Carradine's character. Uh, uh, he plays Toby, who's uh, uh, he's got this really freaky look. Uh, he's got this really uncomfortable presence, and he's kind of a little dumb, and uh, he, he's kind of the handyman around this gas station, and then he helps out uh, Lugosi to do his things. But, uh, you know, he intensely kind of plays the voodoo drum during the ceremonies, and he looks kind of dumb. But overall, I liked his look, and I kind of enjoyed his character. He, he's got a lot of criticism for that. A lot of people don't like it. But I happen to like it. So what happens here in Voodoo Man is that uh, out in the middle of nowhere, there's a gas station. All right. And the owner has this trap set up for girls that come along that aren't really familiar with the area. And he pulls the old road construction trick on them. You know, he, he has a couple guys block off a road and then put up a detour sign. And uh, the detour, of course, takes them on this dirt road leading up into the woods where they have this dead area set up. And what it does is it kills all the electrical systems and in the car. So the car stalls out and the girl's stranded there. Guys come along, they capture the girls and take them to this mansion or whatever of Dr. Marlowe, where uh, he and his voodoo priest perform ceremonies to try to bring the doctor's wife back from the dead. This lady died and uh, he's using voodoo and all this weird stuff to try to bring her back. So um, he, he needs the girls to transfer their will to live uh, to his dead wife to complete the process. Apparently she had this amazing will to live and that's what she needs back to complete the process to bring her back. So, uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Uh, Marlowe keeps going through girl after girl to find the right one. He hasn't yet, so he keeps screwing up. He has this whole collection of zombie girls in his basement, and he keeps them kind of behind glass, like he has this whole <laughs> display area of uh, zombie girls, and they're just standing there staring into space. So the movie goes on, and we get some run-ins with the sheriff, and uh, the story ties in with this engaged couple, but eventually, of course, Dr. Marlowe's secret is discovered, and in the end, the sheriff shoots the doctor while he's in the middle of a voodoo ceremony. And there we go. Yeah, yeah. This one's, this one's slightly better than Bowery at Midnight, uh, even though I do believe that it was Monogram's uh, white zombie knockoff, you know? Because towards the beginning of the movie, in order to put these girls into a trance, uh, he, he does the old eye thing. You get the close-up of Lugosi's eyes again, which is pretty cool, you know, like I said, except, you know, he, he's getting a little older. They're not as intense as what we saw in White Zombie and even in Revolt of the Zombies. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so um, this movie, once again, just like Bowery, it got horrible reviews. Nobody really liked it. I think it lost money. And they do use the word zombie. And again, I think that's because of the White Zombie kind of ripoff status that we got here. Um, and on a technical level, um, I, I just got to say, you know, they used a lot of day for night shots where they shoot things in the day and then they just darken the film to attempt to make it look like nighttime. 
And uh, even though this effect is easier to pull off when you're shooting in black and white like we have here, um, it's still, it was obvious to me, anyhow. Now, the one positive thing that I do have to say about it is, uh, you know, I did like the spooky voodoo cave where they did the ceremonies. That was pretty cool looking. Uh, the way they had everything set up, they had the priest uh, in the background, and then they had Lugosi in front of him with the girls while he's trying to transfer their wills back and forth. And yeah, it's pretty intense. You got the voodoo drums around them, and you got weird, goofy John Carradine banging on the one. And uh, yeah, yeah, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> but I, I kind of like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, overall... Yeah, I'm not so sure about this one either. Um, something that they tried to be kind of clever with is the whole movie and movie aspect um, where they're talking about making a movie inside of the movie. And uh, that's because the man who's engaged to be married here, um, whose fiance is actually one of the girls that Dr. Marlowe thinks is the one to finally bring his wife back from the dead... Um, this guy works at a movie company and he has to go and ask his boss for a couple weeks off to get married. So that's what he does at the beginning of the movie. And then, you know, after all this drama has happened and everything is back to normal, he comes back to his boss and he explains what happened. And he's like, I'm going to need more time off because of everything, you know, that's happened to me here the last couple days. And uh, his boss is like, okay, I can do that, but we may have to bring in somebody else to make our next movie. And then they talk about considering their, you know, next lead role to be played by some actor named Bela Lugosi. <laughs> and they have this good laugh at the end. And then they roll credits. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's kind of cheesy, you know, kind of weird. I'm sure Bela Lugosi loved it. But, uh, yeah, so they kind of do that thing at the end. But uh, it's weird. It's only slightly better than Voodoo Man, uh, or than uh, Bowery at Midnight, I'm sorry. So Voodoo Man... On my scale of uh, zero being the worst and ten being the best, you know, zero would be Malva Zombie Ass Kicker, and uh, ten would be Dawn of the Dead 1978, alright, so that's the scale. This gets a five out of ten, and it's only because it's a little bit better than Bowery at Midnight, which I gave a four out of ten, so I'll give it one more point and say that if you're really desperate for something weird to watch, then go download this one for free. Alright, this is a horror movie. First think, what's the one thing that everybody has done at least once in their life? And that's a chew, sneeze. In this movie, that gets you killed. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Like, um, it's, it's going to take place around March, April, so it's going to be like allergy season. So people are just going to start sneezing and dropping like flies because you die within 24 hours. So people are running the grocery stores, the government is trying to figure out what's going on, conspiracy theories are all over the place, and nobody has an answer. So everything's becoming a muck. It's like a complete disaster movie, but this time it's kind of biological. But the, the, the beautiful thing is the reason why all this is happening is because that's how we become extinct. That's how humans become extinct, and that's how we get wiped out as a species. And the movie's going to be called Kazoontype. Bless you. <laughs> All right, for this week's original music, I really don't have much to say. I think I'm just going to play it and kind of let it speak for itself. I'm just going to tell you what it's called, and then we'll roll. So here you go. This is completely written by me. Music, uh, words, everything written by Corey. So here we go. This week I play for you Pretty Pony. <laughs>
with me right now is somebody that everyone out there is going to know. I have with me Mr. Brian Kaufman, a.k.a. Brian in Colorado. Yes, he does, in fact, have a last name, and it's not in Colorado. Uh, welcome welcome to the podcast here, Brian. It's an honor to be talking to you. Hi, Corey. It's great to be talking to you. This is Finally. <laughs> uh, yeah, finally. No kidding. This is the first time we've actually talked. Uh, tons of emails and a lot of correspondence in one way or another, but uh, it's the first and time. I've listened to you since I think the very first podcast you did, because number 101 is when I started listening to the other podcast. Wow. Wow. And just serendipitous. <laughs> and you haven't fled in terror yet, or, you know, you've listened <laughs> well, this whole time. There's plenty of terror, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, I just I appreciate it, first and foremost that you listen at all, and also that you've sent in just tons of beer reviews and, and great things. I mean, that's a lot of hard work, and you know, tasting new beers that's that's a tough gig. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, I mentioned to you, I I really enjoy doing those beer reviews, uh, and it gives me an excuse to try tons of different beer. Although I keep going back to the ones I've come across. Yeah. Stone yeah. Brewery's Ronation comes to mind. That's the one that I really love. Ooh, yeah. And it's because of you that I'm actually trying these and that I was aware of them at all. You're raising awareness here as far as beer goes. For me, like uh, Arrogant Bastard is another one that I just love. It's like a staple. of. Oh, yeah. So. Excellent stuff. Absolutely. Well, you know... Even uh, kind of above the beer reviewer kind of status that you hold on the podcast here, you're a great writer and a novelist. And back in the day, I reviewed Dead Beyond the Fence, which is your zombie novel. It's actually your third novel uh, to date. Is that right? Yes, I, I have three out. This one uh, is the first horror novel, though. Ooh, ooh. It's, it's a fantastic read. Uh, oh, I, thank you. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, for those people out there who may not have read it yet, could you give me like a just a quick synopsis about uh, what we're dealing with in Dead Beyond the Fence? Sure. Um, there's some former former coworkers, uh, Kevin and Angel, uh, who end up getting chased out of their apartment complex by the zombies. The story starts six weeks into the plague, and they end up in a research facility. Uh, with a nice fence and some good defenses and separate power and separate uh, water supply uh, through well. So they're really fairly well set up, and there's a total of 12 people in this facility. And it's actually based on a, a real location uh, up here in Fort Collins. Uh, the university has these research facilities very close to where I describe it. In fact, uh, some people who've read the story uh, actually walk the path that uh, that Kevin and Angel take is oh, wow. uh, just to see the different landmarks and to see uh, what I did with it. And they've identified uh, a lot of the places, so it's kind of fun. At any rate, they're inside the facility, and um, they're relatively safe, but the more that uh, Kevin and Angel discover about what's going on there, uh, the less likely they are to continue to be safe. So... And that's the story. That's the arc of the story. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, you, you've done something that uh, is really effective in zombie stories, and that's that it's all about the relationships 
You know, it's, I mean, you got a lot of gore and a lot of, a lot of zombie stuff happening, but the main push of the novel is the relationships that we see, you know, the broken ones, the crazy ones within this compound and, and things like that. So uh, you did a what, great job. Yeah, you know, what goes on with the, uh, the researchers is they're each going their own path trying to find out what caused the plague. And you, mm-hmm. one of the things you see in zombie stories is uh, different ideas about what started the plague. And in this, it's never really defined. Mm-hmm. They're just researching it. That part of it was actually based on uh, something that actually happened. My father used to work at NASA, and uh, he was describing to me once how government runs decision-making, and it just boggled his mind. Basically, they had a problem they needed to solve, and they had three approaches, so they funded each of the three equally. After a certain period of time had gone by, one of the three approaches was clearly yielding results and the other two weren't. So when it came time to refund them, the two approaches that weren't working got more money in order to make things fair and even it up. <laughs> it, it just drove him nuts. It's one wow. of the reasons he ended up leaving NASA is because of decision-making like that. Um, and similar things in the in the story and Dead Beyond the Fence happen. There, ever all the approaches are treated equally, although some of them are clearly just dead ends and people doing what they were used to doing in the past. And the folks inside the inside the uh, complex are are pretty shattered, mm-hmm. as, as I think you would be if if there are zombies wandering around <laughs> outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just. Well, it. I got to ask you now. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the character Corey? I was I that was the next thing I was going to mention. It, he actually was one of my favorites. Um although, you know, it, it was just uh it was a little surreal for me, you know, and it really hit close to home. Well, you notice that he just said things that irritated people yeah. and spoke without <laughs> thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and he had all the best lines. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, I, when I was when I was doing a final edit on this, I ran it through my writers group. A lot of writers belong to writers groups, and I wanted to see what the reaction was. And this is probably a spoiler, but it, not too much of a spoiler for a zombie movie. Corey dies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they got to that part, one of the guys I respect a great deal said, "You made a big mistake because you just killed the best character in the story." Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, and then he read on, and he goes. But on the other hand, he's got the best death. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, I know. Actually, I mean, I went and I was I was reading over that part again, the Corey death scene in it, because it did it was something that really stuck with me, as uh, you know, after I was done reading, and uh, it, it's just very graphic chunks of Corey, you know, poke, coming through the neck of the zombie oh, yeah. trying to swallow, and <laughs> as he stuffed food down its throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And it, the way you wrote it, you you write so graphically, but uh, it's not overdone. It's not for its own sake, you know, you're not just shoving in scene after scene after scene of gore and and violence and insanity. I mean, you vary the pace an awful lot. It's really like a roller coaster ride, especially, you know, once you start exploring a lot of the things going on inside the complex and and the the conflicts that erupt. Uh, it's it's the idea was to try and uh, back away from some of the nonstop because the first few chapters are just nonstop. Mm-hmm. 
but then the stress gets replaced by the relationship stress, mm-hmm. uh, the way that these people are interacting in, in what's really a, uh, a boiler. They're just inside this one little building and uh, rubbing against each other wrong. And it's, uh, so there are different kinds of pressure. But, yeah, I didn't want to have it just be one gore scene after another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although the toward the end, some of that stuff does. I do amp it up a little, I think. Well, that's that's the ending to any any good zombie tale. You know, you gotta have the the full out carnage at some point. Yeah, that's uh, and, and and the ending. You know, speaking of that, you know, the ending is is a, a, a almost a point of controversy, I guess, with the readers as as far as you know, is that the ending that I guess a lot of people expected, which it which it wasn't. I didn't expect that ending there so what has been your take on that how that's been received and it's not exactly a, a like a pop culture kind of ending no are you talking about the ending of the novel or the novella at the end uh the just the novel itself just the novel yeah, yeah. well I, I i as i explained to my wife i brianized it <laughs> <laughs> i had to have some kind of a graceful kind of literary ending mm. And when I was done, I thought it was clear what had happened. But my readers, the initial readers who were reviewing it, uh, were really divided on what that meant. And I thought, oh, no. And then I thought, well, uh, there's always been this thought in the back of my mind that I might do a sequel. And then I thought, well, I don't want to do a sequel. This is a standalone story. And then I thought, well, what I'm going to do is a short novella to tack on the end. And then uh, you can either end the story the way I think it ended in the novel, or you could say, what if, and then I'll make sure there's no sequel. <laughs> mm. I, I really <laughs> like that avenue that you took there, where yeah. you, know, you, you don't have to uh, read the novella to enjoy uh, the novel as it is, but uh, you, know, you kind of gave and that it, option. And in fact, I've told people uh, that if you like even if you don't like horror, read the first, because there's there's other things in there besides the horror mm-hmm. uh, to enjoy. If you don't like horror, don't read the ending, the, right. the sequel. Don't read it. <laughs> and I've told people that, and of course they think I'm doing the, like, don't look in the basement kind of thing, uh, yeah. uh, that it's a marketing thing. But uh turns out I'm right. I've Actually, the reviews have been really, really good for this book. Awesome. Um, but on occasion, you'll get one where they say the, uh, that the sequel is just hor- horrific uh, and, sh- yes. and and gratuitous and disgusting. In fact, I just got a review yesterday from uh, uh, Axiom Science Fiction, which uh, they did a really nice job of the review. The reviewer was terrific, but he went on for probably a paragraph explaining why and how much he hated the ending. <laughs> <laughs> And his reasonings were all good, because the truth of the matter is, I hated the ending. <laughs> it really? Creeped, <laughs> it just creeped me out. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. You can't go for mediocrity. For me, it's like, you take it the whole way, you do what you want to do, and it's it's going to get a reaction from people one way or the other. And I think whether it's a really positive reaction, like a lot of people have been, or a really negative reaction, like a, a few have been about the ending, 
you know, I think that's saying something. Like, this actually has something to say. This, uh, this so is... the best line for the review yesterday that he said was, I had to think about this one before I wrote the review. Uh, and I uh, thought, what a great compliment. That <laughs> is. That is. What a great compliment. Man. So man. Did, I'd like to mention the cover of the book. I was going to ask you about that because I love it. Uh, the artist's name is Jack Larson. He's uh, uh, an artist living in New Mexico, and he does zombie paintings. That's what he does. And he worked in the... He was with the Army, and I guess he did uh, uh, body cleanup, or would detail take care of dead bodies. Ooh. And then when he left the Army, he worked in um, forensics, taking forensic photographs, I guess. And so he's... Uh, I read an interview with him uh, where he said that he's familiar with all stages of decomposition. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he's just amazing. In fact, I have a couple of his paintings in my office uh, on the wall where I just, he sells them on eBay. I, I just buy them. I think they're fascinating. This it, I, I was thinking about this cover, and I'm like, this would be great to have on the wall because it's, it's downright, it's spooky, and it's it's stylized and really really cool yeah and i i all of his stuff is like that in fact he started doing a series of works uh called the dead beyond the fence series where he did uh paintings and then he would multimedia them he's uh he bought himself some chain link and put the chain link over the paintings and things like that oh, wow and they're amazing but uh, they're a little out of my price range for the where, for where they're going. I've been yeah. on a couple of them and, uh, on eBay, and I just can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they're easy. Uh, he's a wonderful artist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, why zombies? You know, you you wrote two novels before this that there weren't even horror novels. Now you do a horror novel, and it's about zombies. So why why'd you choose to do this? Because zombies are the thing that scare me. Uh, boy, I saw the original Night of the Living Dead at a drive-in when I was uh, 16, and it scared the it scared me to death. Uh, I had nightmares, and I still have nightmares, uh, probably once every couple of months, uh, where the zombie apocalypse has happened. Over, though I have to tell you, over time the dreams have changed a little, and now they're kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Worked. <laughs> Oh wow, wow! That, that that's so weird because I'm I'm the same way. I well, I wish I I could have seen Night of the Living Dead at a, a drive-in, but uh, you know I saw it on TV when I was little, and it just it gave me nightmares. And I, it's it's so weird hearing you talk about the dreams because I'm having these same dreams too. Like a couple times a month, I'll have these zombie dreams, and it's either you know i do have some fun ones though where i'm actually shooting them and i had one in a mall and things like that you know it's just uh what's unusual for me about them is mine take place in different settings mm -hmm. and i'm in in each dream i'm preparing for the sun to set and that's i guess that's what bothers me about zombies is the, the, the just trying to get ready for them and not having the time wow. not not being prepared yeah yeah, and then you you did for the other podcast you did a video podcast where you visited the graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> and for part of your video podcast, I, I on 
one of them, you put up the trailer or the start of the movie, Night of the Living Dead, I think. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the opening scene, I haven't seen that movie in 30 years. I own it. I just don't watch it. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and just seeing the opening part, I go, that man, it's, I'm getting a sense of dread from this car <laughs> driving through the countryside. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, I, I know what you mean. And it, it was so weird being there. Like, uh, oh, just just knowing the history behind it, and I've been watching this piece of land here for decades, and it scared the crap out of me for for a long time. It was. I really got that sense watching your video because you seemed almost overwhelmed, yeah. and it was. I thought, man, I've got to go there someday. Oh, I got to make that <laughs> pilgrimage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If there's any way you can get out here and. and just experience that it's so weird and uh just the the other locations around the area too which uh, i mean a lot's changed you know in almost 50 years now so it's uh a lot of it you, you don't really recognize and you have to take their word for it but uh you know it's it's really really creepy and if i would have I, I think i would have dealt with it a lot worse if i was a little kid and going there and knowing this is where they filmed the movie and, uh, yeah yeah I wouldn't, uh, I, I, I never did show those movies to my kids until they were older. Mm. Uh, now one of my sons, uh, my middle son, is a real big fan of horror, so he watches everything I get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that stuff, but it's, it's sort of like, ooh, that's cool. He doesn't get the I'm scared part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see a lot of that, you know. It's, uh, do you think people are, are really frightened by horror anymore or is it just kind of a kind of a fun thing to go out and do and you don't think anything of it does it affect people you think the same way anymore i don't know uh it's a it's a good question uh when i was very little um absolutely silly things terrible just terrible movies uh used to scare me and stuff that uh Boy, you need the uh, the element of uh, imagination to turn that into something scary. Mm. <laughs> uh, and now, and now I watch things, and nobody's scared. I had my daughter saw The Ring, which I thought was a pretty scary movie. Oh yeah, and uh, she laughed. <laughs> oh wow! I said, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> 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 That's scary, damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you wonder? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just that that uh, the, the fear doesn't translate that different things scare people. I never got into slasher films much. Yeah, that never yeah. bothered me. So maybe it's just different things. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Could be. You know, a lot of people are are into the whole running zombie thing, and uh, you know, I I loved it. Of course, that your zombies were the real zombies, you know. They're, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they were Just slow. say that right out so you can get some more email. Oh, oh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I can't help it. I can't. Yeah, well, then l- let me join you in this. Yes, these are traditional zombies. Mm. Uh, they shamble, uh, and uh, they don't think, and they don't talk, and there's never going to be a big daddy. Right. So. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was but, about that. but that's you know it's my zombies so i get yeah. you know for the book and i get to i get to have them be the way i think is scariest and i think that the mindlessness and the relentlessness and the unstoppable nature of 
a horde of zombies is is scarier, much scarier. Yeah. But You've it's... looked at the, uh, the trailer for uh, The Walking Dead, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the overhead shot with the guy on the horse. Oh, yeah. I thought, okay, they're doing this excellent. <laughs> I, I'm going to be so happy to see this. Oh, I... <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for it. It's uh, it's so you know the com- have you read the comic? Oh yeah, you did the uh, the uh, you covered the the compendium mm-hmm, in a two part mm-hmm. special episode, and yeah. you sold me on it completely. So I ran out and got the compendium before it disappeared. Oh, nice! And I've been following it ever since. I just love yeah. it. Yeah, it looks like they are sticking really, really close to the look. And the 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 feel that uh, Kirkman and Adlard just did so well, and I, I can't wait for it. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm it's it's one of the and there aren't a lot of horror films coming out that I'm interested in. Mm, yeah. So yeah. it's really uh, it's really tough. The ones I see that really strike me are all foreign films these days. Exactly. Oh, you're exactly right. The foreigns, the independents, the a lot of yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I really loved Let the Right One In. Mm, yeah, me too. You, you saw Dead Snow. I remember yeah. you talking about it. Ooh, That's yeah. just good fun. That's mm-hmm. good, solid fun. Yeah. So, um, those are those are films that somebody did independent or across the... There's another one uh, I would recommend. It's Sauna, S-A-U-N-A. Oh, really? Never heard of that. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't remember if it was done in... Finland or somewhere, Norway, something, uh, one of the northern European countries, and uh, it's a historical, and I the, the visuals are incredible, it's very authentic and gritty looking, and I thought it was a marvelous film, really loved it. Nice, nice. Got to fight your way through the, through the, the captions, of course. But, well, uh, hey, that I doesn't kinda, bother me. That takes me about a minute to get used to, and then I'm ready. Yeah, so. yeah. If the movie is strong enough, then I, it's almost like you forget that they're there at all. And uh, you can just be drawn in. So, Yeah, that's, that's another good one. And again, it's a foreign film in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, yeah. in the U.S., they're making Saw 12 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Hollywood is uh, what they're probably making. Their ripoff of, uh, oh, oh, whatchamacallit, the quarantine sequel. Which will be wreck, uh, yeah. you know, the the wreck rip off before we can get wreck. Yeah, two. I can't. I can't wait to not see. <laughs> yeah. The American remake of uh, Let the Right One In. Oh, what's up with that? Uh, and you know they're going to turn it into a teen love story. It just drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? They're probably not even going to include that crotch shot. Uh yes, <laughs> which is out of the book. Which is straight out of the book. Oh, seriously. Oh. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it means exactly what you thought it meant. <laughs> wow! I don't want to give away that spoiler, but yeah, right. how about that? Weird. And that weird. has the best scary. That has the most horrific ending, mm-hmm. and everyone thinks it's a happy ending unless they're not paying attention. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the, it's beautiful. The ending is creep me out. I thought, boy, that's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the movie hasn't affected me that way for, for a long time, and I, I only just watched it here, it was like towards the beginning of the year, and uh, a lot of people recommended it, and you know, and then you hear some reviews that people didn't like it, whatever, so I gave it a shot, and I am so glad I did. Because it's like a beautiful movie, too. It's fun to 
to watch. They they did so much with the photography and the lighting. And Aside from the cat, car, the the cat attack, mm. that's all physical effects too. And Very it just nice. looks so much more. It looks so more real. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so when when's Dead Beyond the Fence going to be uh, on the big screen? You know, you have a script together yet, and some backers, and uh... <laughs> you know, and it's so funny because it was written to be filmed in one small location mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a relatively low budget. There'd be one big budget shot at the end, obviously, but uh, that would be it, and you just need some extras. Yeah, but uh, it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I really wish someone would pick it up because, like, uh, uh, that's that's my ultimate dream is to make as much money as I can, Corey. Absolutely. And that's what we're all about. That's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> everything I do. and uh, <laughs> I'm going the non-podcast route. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wise decision, let me tell you. <laughs> But man, this is this has been fantastic, you know, talking to you today. On top of all this coolness that we've talked about already, you've you're a musician, also. You, I don't know if you play much anymore, but you used to work pretty hard. I actually have been trying to get back to the. I want to play blues again. Nice. Uh, just it's the old stuff, but I, most of the stuff I played over my uh, musical life was heavy metal. And uh, uh, sometimes I'd sing. Uh, I use that as a measure. The more I sang for the band, the worse of a band it was. And the one band <laughs> I didn't sing at all was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I was fascinated with uh, your cover of a cover on uh, your <laughs> podcast with the, the software that adjusts tone. Yeah. Now, what they need is software that adjusts content so that you say something horrific and uh, makes everyone mad, and the computer adjusts it to be PC. As soon as they develop that software, (laughs) your podcast is going to take off. I'm in good shape. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't think of that. (laughs) But I was thinking, boy, I could almost sound on key with software like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know. It, it's it's crazy, and it, it does take a lot of tweaking. But uh, man, and uh, you hear so many artists on the on the radio using this thing anymore. Oh yeah, uh, and not playing live. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. My wife watches all these horrible, horrible TV shows, and uh, a lot of them, like the the dancing shows and the talent shows and all that junk. And every once in a while, they have live performers on there. You know, they had Def Leppard on, you know, a couple years ago, and I don't know Usher or whoever. I don't know. They're all they're all pretty much the same. And uh, she always turns to me and she's like, "Are they singing for real this time?" Because every time I'm like calling them on, and I'm like, "That's that's a lip sync. Come on, you know, can't you tell it's obvious?" And and so she now she kind of defaults to they're probably lip syncing, and she turns to me and she's like, "Are they actually singing for real this time?" So. Yeah. yeah, we have such a great local music scene in Fort Collins. Really amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. When they have their uh, their annual uh, music festival, there'll be like 180 bands playing. Wow. In various wow. locations, and I take the weekend off. My wife and I catch just stay up morning to night watching bands live. 
Uh, I played live. I love watching live music. I love watching original music, and it's just fun for me. So when I see those the next something something <laughs> contest on TV, I run screaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. It's just all about the the independent kind of thing, and you're not making it to. I don't know. You're not making it for a a big wide mainstream audience you're, you're making it for oh, your friends and you're doing it for your friends and for people who might be interested in that little niche right and you're making it because you love it and because it's yours mm-hmm. which is why i'm kind of looking forward to your little movie oh thanks thanks that's uh, i just love things like that yeah yeah you know uh, hey why not you know let's uh i think everybody should try to make a movie it's it's sure. fun <laughs> Now, see, didn't you uh, didn't you introduce us uh, on the other podcast to uh, Ruckus Productions? Yeah, yeah. I ended up getting a, a DVD of theirs. I friended them on Facebook. I keep tabs on the stuff they do, and I it's not the greatest stuff in the world, but who cares? It's them doing it because they love it. It's fun. That's that's uh, what I, I was so happy that I could actually talk to them and, and get to know them because that's the that's the feel that I got from watching their stuff. And, and then you introduced me to uh, the Italian zombie movies. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> the psychic. Somebody <laughs> pounding at the door. And she cries out and does, Who is it? I thought I was going to die. <laughs> those, those are movies now I've watched over and over again, and it's like there's something new every time that I pick up oh. on. They're, they're shamelessly jam-packed with gags and little things going on in the background, and it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's rough-edged. I don't care. I, I guess I, I love everything indie. It's it's part of the charm of it. You know, if it was super polished and, you know, they, they went for that whole thing, it would kind of ruin the fun, I think. Well, the polishing homogenizes things, and you yeah. lose, the, you lose the, uh, the originality mm-hmm. and the edge. And the individuality of the piece. Mm-hmm. You get a hundred people doing a hundred zombie movies, and it's their first time doing a movie. You're going to get a hundred radically different things, and they're going to be different things in there that to like and hate. And it's it's fun and it's interesting. Yeah. You yeah. watch Hollywood do a hundred films, and they're all going to be the same. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's. Uh, I'm so jaded. I don't even want to go to the theater anymore. It's. Uh, yeah, but that that's something. It's funny. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of making this movie, and I've been shooting a lot of stuff for it. And I have a lot of background in video and in production and things, and especially effects, like CG kind of stuff. Uh, I used to do a lot of that kind of thing a while back. And uh, so now I'm shooting some things, and especially like the gorier scenes. I am really tempted to start doing some little digital effects in it and uh, kind of doing a a whole lot of different correction digitally with things, but man, I'm almost afraid I'm going to ruin it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know. I'm I'm just interested to see what you come out with, because I I know it's going to be entertaining as hell. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, it'll be be something, that's for sure. Isn't it something to, you've said how wrapped up you are in the project. Isn't it something to get wrapped up in a project like that and to put so much of yourself into it? And then, you know, when it's done, it doesn't matter how it came out almost. It's you. It's yours. 
Yeah, and, and that's why I'm doing it. You know, I've, it's kind of one of those things on my list. You know, that uh, I'm just like someday I'm gonna gonna do this. So, yeah, bucket list, huh? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I'm I'm dealing with my sense of mortality, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I I have a bucket list too. I'm yeah. not sure they're ever gonna let me play center field for the Yankees. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still have it on the list, though. Damn it! <laughs> That's right, dude. Keep going for it. Keep going for it, man. <laughs> I have a major league uh, changeup pitch, by the way. Oh yeah. Major, oh yeah, uh, major league quality, but it's my fastball. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, during the during the whole zombie apocalypse, though, when it actually does happen, you know, you'll be you can bean zombies from long distance, and you'll be in, in good oh, shape. Oh, well, my my house is zombie ready. Uh, I live in the mountains. Oh, that's and awful. We bought it. Uh, we built it, and there's a bear cave on our land. Ooh. I got about thirty five acres, and the bear walks right past where the house is to get down to the Poudre River. And he likes to go fishing and eat. So we had to make sure that the ground level didn't have any access. So the ground level is the garage, and everything is on the second story. The front door is on the second story, so I've got the one little stairway up. And other than that, the only way you can get up is uh, through the garage. So close the garage doors, and they're nice and sturdy, and I'm zombie-proof. Beautiful. And I have porches, and you really can only access the house because we built it into uh, a ravine. You can only really come up from the driveway. So, pretty good field of fire. <laughs> oh. oh, dude, you're sick. I have a pantry and well water and propane and uh, lots of ammunition. So, I'm just inviting you come the apocalypse, come on out here. Oh, nice. Oh, I, I have wanted to a even have any excuse at all to get back out to Colorado. Oh, so, if you do, you got to stay. My oh. kids are moved out as of uh, this last month. My my last two moved out. Congratulations! Off to college, <laughs> oh, we have awesome. guest rooms, wow. and we're gonna open. I don't know, Hotel California Part Two. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, it is such beautiful country out there. I'll tell you that. Uh, oh. Really pretty, yeah, really pretty, yeah. and not a lot of people. I'm a, I'm a 30 minute walk from a neighbor. So. Wow, wow! I tell you, it's been great talking to you. I could, I could just keep going on here. Just man, take up the whole day. But uh, the people might, <laughs> might tune out pretty quick if they hear more of me. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I think the people who are still listening at this point are. It's going to take a lot to get them to stop listening. To stop. You know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, it, it's interesting. Actually, I got a I got a comment on on the blog this week that I'm a I'm a little uh, confused about because the guy's like, oh, cut it out with uh, with being so uh, saying that you're so controversial and risque because you're not, and that people can't take you, and it, you know, just like playing up that whole thing. And I'm like, wow, yeah. you could forward him some emails, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. Uh, do you do, do you? Follow me on Twitter at all? Uh, uh -huh. You know, I don't. On the podcast, I, I don't. I, I stay pretty. You're nice. trying, no, you get the uh, the scratchy record sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You start, 
Yeah, you get in a few jibes, but they're 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 veiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I I'm not going to be a complete dickhead on the podcast. You know, I'll hold back a little bit. But Twitter is the medium for me that is just like I'm a total. I turn into a a, a, a real idiot, and I just uh, I have no filter. Yeah, so consequently. Yeah, it's funny because my wife on Facebook does the exact same thing. She says <laughs> just outrageous stuff. And then people try to seriously respond to her or get angry with her mm-hmm. or say, what's wrong with you? And it, it, it cracks me up. She's just being silly. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's, it's uh, I don't know. I, I don't see the big deal because everything, I'm just, I, I'm laughing at everything. I mean, even if, even if it sounds like I'm really pissed off, I'm kind of, I'm kind of laughing about the whole thing because it's retarded. It's like, you know, you think about it, why... Why get mad about a podcast? I mean, really. Well, it's actually kind of funny. If you, can't, if you have to take it that seriously, then the world will make you weep. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't weep often. I really don't. Unless, unless I'm, I'm singing El Paso, as a matter of fact, and that that's a song that makes me cry. You know, I just weep like a little little girl for for hours after uh, after that. And that's the real reason I had to auto tune it because of my sobs at the end. You're stopping. <laughs> I grew up, my dad liked Marty Robbins. Oh, nice. So I I heard that song probably seven million times. Wow. <laughs> Man. Wow. Well, dude, it's been great talking today. Um, where can where can people find uh, Dead Beyond the Fence? I know they can go to Amazon. Is that the Amazon is really the best place to get it. Uh, it's a small press. Um, you can order it through Barnes & Noble. I know it's on their list. But uh, Amazon's probably the best and fastest way. Cool, cool. You have your own uh, profile up there and everything. I was clicking around on it a little bit, and it has your other novels up there as well, and a little bit about you. And yeah, it just yeah, and a, and, a, and a picture taken about a decade ago. Yeah, <laughs> I actually look. I actually look a lot better now. If, uh, if it's anything like the one on the back of uh, of your book here, then. Uh, you know, oh, isn't that fine? Really aged well, man. That's <laughs> should explain. My daughter took a picture of me, uh, and then um, uh, manipulated it to zombify me. Nice. And the the worst part of it is uh, that she made my face fat. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, so, but yeah, I'm actually in a lot better shape now. I think. Cool. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, of course, the picture on the back of the cover makes me look near death. So anything's better than that. Oh, there you go. Near after death. <laughs> that was a, that was a smart strategy right there. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so no matter what shape you're in, you know, it's it's. Hey, you look better than you do on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> you're a smart. Yeah, guy. I do. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast again, Brian. And, you know, like I said, I always look forward to the beer reviews and really any correspondence whatsoever because you're a fantastic guy. I consider you a friend. And, uh, man. Well, you've been a part of my week for for uh, some time now. So. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So what are you doing now? Are you still, are you still writing? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I write textbooks for a living. I'm working on... Uh, I'm working on a uh, business statistics text right now, and it's making my making my eyes dry up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's horrible. 
they, yeah, they sort of throw topics to me that no one else would ever want to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying, that's, that's a, a big leap from you know, apocalyptic zombie novels. Yeah, it's kind of different, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, and, and that's the way, now, now my next one, I should mention my next one. I'm working on a novella, uh, a historical zombie. Nice. Did you ever hear of Mary King's Close? No. Can't Scotland. It's a small, uh, a small uh, tenement, or a collection of tenements, mm -hmm. and uh, basically they had a plague outbreak, and the normal way of handling a plague outbreak was to uh, have people with a plague house uh, tie a, a handkerchief on their door, and people would bring them water and food and take care of them so they didn't have to intermingle and uh, there wouldn't be a lot of spreading of the plague. But for whatever reason in this one, uh, the, the legend is that they walled up the, the, uh, the little tenement complex and uh, basically just walled it up and wouldn't let anyone out. Oh, wow. Opened it up and cleared it out later. And the odd part is, is it's, it's supposedly haunted, but the reports of the hauntings, it's not whole ghosts. They're dismembered. Ooh. And I thought, what kind of plague was that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, guess what kind? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, nice. So you're in the middle of writing that one right now? I am. Sweet. And uh, that and business statistics. <laughs> oh, man, man. Well, I it, hope it, I don't you... get them mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hilarious. You know, it, it actually, it, it kind of makes sense because it's like, you know, you have something that's very dry, very... Uh, methodical, you know, textbooks, things like that. And it's almost like, I would think, to deal with that kind of thing, you almost have to swing clear over to, you know, zombie horror and, and things like this just to maintain a, a balance in, in your sanity. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it keeps the writing for both fresh, in my mm. opinion. Uh, the one helps the other. Right, right. So. You know, that's, that's uh, kind of how things are creatively, I think, in general, because I've, I've come to see, you know, I like to write, and I like to play music, and I like to, you know, do graphic things, and, and it all kind of, there's, there's a creativity that kind of, I don't know, is connected in all of those mediums. So if, like, I'm stuck on a project, i got to make a web page, and I just don't know where to go with it, you know, I'll go over and start playing the guitar for a while and doing that, and then... You almost feel kind of refreshed by that, and then you come back to what you were doing before, and you can you almost have an, a new energy. And you write exactly, and it's the same uh, same thing. It's the same. Yeah, I loved the uh, the the thing you posted of Midnight Corey with the uh, zombified animals. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that thing. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, that thanks. was just good fun. <laughs> and one thing feeds to the other. Exactly. I know when you get blocked, you can do something else. Yeah, that uh, that's a big thing. Do you get do you get writer's block a lot, or do you do you flow pretty freely? Uh, I don't get writer's block. Oh, um, lucky. Uh, part of that is is I worked as a cook for thirty years, and after working as after forcing myself to do my job for thirty years there, forcing myself to write as easy as can be. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I'm in something right now, and I think I might have told you about this, where I just, I, I cannot, I, I can't even get anything started at this point. It's horrible. I don't know. On your writing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did mention that. Yeah. But that's, but there, it's, it's, it, the creativity's got to go, so it's coming out in the video now. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But and there's always the podcast. Yeah, there's that thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that creature. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it anymore. It's it's just it's that thing. So yeah, well, dude, I'll let you go because I know I, I keep rambling here and I keep uh, pretending like I'm going to end it, but uh, I, I keep going. But uh, once again, yeah, thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It was it, no, it was very enjoyable, Corey. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's let's do this again here soon. Uh, this is the wonderful. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks again. Thanks. All right. Corey, what's going on, man? It's uh, Skeptical Zach. Um, first of all, I love your explanation on how you get uh, so much done. I don't have to disagree with you. I know you haven't been uh, praying to Satan there. That's because there is no Satan. The flying spaghetti monster is uh, the lord and creator of the universe. Corey, I thought you knew that. Okay, secondly, Momento. I know this is kind of old news here, but I watched this movie a few months back, and uh, forgive me if I misremembering part of it. So maybe you can answer the following questions for me. Okay, so there was no Sammy Jenkins, right? He is Sammy Jenkins. His wife didn't die by getting killed by the robbers. He killed her with the insulin, right? So does he have this disease? Does she not have this disease? If he does have this disease, how the fuck did you remember that he does? I don't get it. it just The plot line doesn't make sense when you look at it super carefully. So maybe you could uh, clarify this for me. I know you've watched it a couple times, so Anyway, uh, great show, man. Keep it up, All hail the flying spaghetti monster. You're exactly right. Skeptical Zach. <laughs> Good to hear from you, man. And thank you for uh, bringing up Memento. Uh, great movie. And I think one of the great things about it is it's very open-ended. You do have to do a lot of thinking about it. And it leaves us to do a lot of uh, implication. Because it doesn't come out and tell you these things. You kind of have to think about it in terms of what's going on in the movie and how really abstract the movie is as a whole. But I, I think you're exactly dead on with what you said. Uh, I think you're right when you say that he is Sammy Jankus. There, is, there was really no Sammy Jankus. And that uh, his wife was actually the diabetic with the whole insulin thing. And uh, I think, you know, I, 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 he knows about this disease because, of course, you know, he can remember everything up until that accident. So he was obviously doing some kind of research about this disease because that is supposedly what he was investigating as uh, Sammy Jankus is having for the whole insurance thing. So I'm, I'm thinking that he was reading about it, finding out about it. And so that's how he knows that now he has that disease somehow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if you think about it too long, it'll make your head explode. Yeah, but uh, that and that's what makes a great movie. Yeah. It really does. So, dude, good to hear from you. Hey, Corey, what's happening, man? It's Dead Hammer calling. Um, hey, I'm sure I'm probably calling a little later, earlier, or whatever, for um, the next show. I'm actually listening to episode 15 right now. Uh, but uh, on August 31st, um, the prequel to Dead Rising 2 is being released on Xbox Live. And I'm sure it's going to be like 1,200 points, which is, what, like 15 bucks or something? I don't even know. But I'm, I'm picking it up. So, I don't know. Um, but yeah, dude, your, your creative liberties with your cover of the cover of 
Amazing Grace in episode 15. Or fantastic. <laughs> All right, dude. I will give you a call back at a later point with something a little more relevant. But, um, yeah, Dead Rising 2, uh, I don't want to touch upon that. It's been a little um, off because of the iRigus, which I've you know, talked to you about. It's, uh, I'm sure Spooky Bill and his medical knowledge says a little bit about iRigus. But basically, the white blood cells in my eye were eating the cornea and retina. So uh, if I hadn't man up and gone to the doctor, I probably would have lost my eye. And uh, I'm not one to go to the doctor for anything, so I'm pretty amazed I actually did. All right, man. I'll catch you later. Thanks. Hey, Corey and voicemail with that plug here. It's bad hand, my Um, So in my last call, I mentioned the new Dead Rising 2 uh, Case Zero, which is the prequel to uh, Dead Rising 2. Um, yeah, today is August 31st. Uh, it was released on Xbox Live at some point this morning-ish. Uh, I was up, you know, till like 4 a.m. just sticking around on the Xbox, and it wasn't a release, so I don't really know what time zone they're releasing shit in, but, um, you know, I have my points all ready to go, and I was excited, and so, you know, I wake up today, and I get it, and I download it, and it's 400 points, which is equivalent to $5, which is really cheap. Um, and, you know, seeing that it was only five bucks, I kind of wasn't expecting much, but I get into it, and I'm playing, and I probably, I think I sunk like an hour into the game, and it's pretty cool, uh, I gotta say, uh, any, any game where you get to beat the shit out of zombies with whatever the hand is cool, um, but you're playing some dude who, uh, I don't know the story, <laughs> you're playing some dude who, uh, is supposed to be like the average Joe guy, but he's like some frosted hair shot motorcycle guy. And his daughter's been bit by a zombie at some point. So they're giving her um, this medicine called Zombrax, which um, subdues the, the infection for 12 hours at a time. So you see where the mechanics in this game are leading. Um, they're leading straight into annoying. You gotta go around the small ass town, uh, Still Creek which is 46 miles from Vegas, which they rub into your face because the um, quarantine is 50 miles out from Vegas. So basically you're like four miles away from, you know, freedom. And you're stuck in the middle of zombie town and you got um, a whiny bitchy daughter that you need to find zombies and give to her. Um, so I've run around the town and I've shot zombies in the face and I've, you know, stuck nails in a baseball bat and... You know, that, that's, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Um, the nails in the baseball bat. That is the new, um, the new cool thing with this game is hyping. It's the ability to make weapons. And you do that by finding these weapon-making table things. And um, I made that, and then I stuck nails in uh, a propane can. Apparently, everything that I figured out how to make involves nails. But uh, allegedly, you can um, electrify a rake, or uh, uh, I don't know, stick <laughs> chainsaws on a paddle. I mean, there, there are some really cool ideas, but I don't see the things around to do it. Um, and they don't tell you how to mix things up. Like you go in there and be like, "Oh, I got a car battery and a crowbar. This is awesome!" And you can't do anything with it. Um, so let's see. Um, let me review my review. The game is cool. Um, it doesn't bring much to the thing, to the dead rising world except for an annoying daughter that makes you uh, 
keep looking at your watch, which I, I don't really care for that. Um, but you do get to punch zombies in the face with whatever is at hand, which I like. Um, and they plays all right. Uh, I find that, like, as you get swinging something, it's like you can't really turn yourself around, so you might get grabbed from behind. Uh, the camera is your right stick, so I don't know, man. It's a good game. Um, I'd recommend it. It's only five bucks. Um, if you like zombies and you like video games and you got Xbox Live, you might as well download it and give it a shot and see if it's your thing. And um, I think it's a good way to see if you will actually like Dead Rising 2. And, you know, I'm excited for it. I will probably pick up Dead Rising 2. It's not something I'm not going out and pre-order. Uh, it's not like, you know, Halo Reach or anything where I've pre-ordered the Legendary Edition and the, you know, new Halo Xbox. <laughs> Thinking, thinking effectively $550 into a game. Um, but I will most likely uh, pick this up at some point. And, yeah, hey, if anyone, if any listeners are on Xbox Live, I am badhammer315, feel free to add me. Um, but I, I find myself really only playing like Duke 3D and Halo. So, <laughs> alright guys, this was a bad review on my end, but um, I would give uh Dead Rising two case zero on the uh midnight coy scale. A uh shit, is that a one ten scale or an eight I don't know. Maybe a seven out of ten I guess. Um it, it's cool you get to beat up zombies. It's annoying because of the daughter and the whole timeline thing and I don't know. So look doors are locked and you're holding a crowbar and I'm like, well, unlock it. And it doesn't work. So I don't see the realism in that, but I hate to forgive me. So, <laughs> alright guys, Bad Hammer out later. Hey, what's going on with us? Bad Hammer calling again. I totally forgot something on my Dead Rising 2 review. And now I'm driving in my car, so any extra noise is the lack of air conditioning, but it's like cracking my window. Well, that's your me. But, uh, the zombies in Dead Rising. I love the zombies in Dead Rising. And in Dead Rising 2, they're the same zombies. They're shamblers. They launch at you. They fall on their face when they come after you. If you beat them down with something that's not going to kill them, they'll lay there, and they'll get back up and attack you. And that's something I totally love about the zombies in Dead Rising. They're very traditional zombies. I get to see a runner, a jumper, or any of that. And I mean, that was something that I, I didn't like about Left 4 Dead, but I understood the reason behind it. And for that, I fully appreciated the zombies in Left 4 Dead. But, uh, the ones in, these guys in Better Eyes are pretty good. So, I don't know, man. Maybe like a 7.5 out of 10. It's not as bad of a game as I put it out to be. Um, I just get really annoyed by the fact that you gotta go give a, give a daughter medicine. Uh, I got to play it through and just bust or die. Pretty very intense to So, alright, guys. Better hammer out. And, uh, I can't figure out how to hang out my, hang out my phone while I'm driving because I have a touch screen. So, I was gonna take it in a second. Wow, Badhammer, thank you. Um, actually, I was not aware of the Dead Rising 2 prequel. I'm really excited about Dead Rising 2 if it ever gets released. It's been, uh, you know, pushed back a few times. But it's great that uh, you did enjoy that, and I, I thank you for doing the review. That was a great review. And uh, I agree with you about the zombies and everything like that, you know. 
real zombies, traditional zombies, that's that's what scares me. So, absolutely. And yes, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into my cover of Amazing Grace. <laughs> no. You know what? To be honest with you, I could only wish that I could do a rendition of Amazing Grace like that. Because I don't think that I could do it. I don't think if I tried, I could do it. So it might it might be, actually, I'd have to get really, really drunk and then try to sing it seriously, where maybe I could come somewhere close to what this guy accomplished here. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, And dude, uh, um, happy now that uh, you're recovering from all that eye trouble that you had. That's, that's insane. But Badhammer, it's great to hear from you, man, and I hope I hear from you a lot more often. As your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. Mm-hmm. And you'll need the cocaine. Tape recorder for special music. I got pulled go shirts. Get the hell out of LA for at least 48 hours. Blows my weekend. Because naturally, I'm going to have to go with you. And we're going to have to arm ourselves to the teeth. Oh, it's finally the end of the podcast. I'm still miserable. I've been sounding all nasally, all out of whack. This whole podcast. What can you do? What can you do? I'm going to, I don't know, try some more medicine. But anyhow, thank you to Brian in Colorado for talking with me this week. He's an awesome guy. You got to buy his book. Got to check out all his other stuff. But he's a fantastic guy, and I appreciate all that he does. Thanks again to everybody that called in, everybody that contributed this week. I appreciate it. Sorry I wasn't more prepared for this episode, but what can you do? Next week, oh, I am excited. I get to go back and talk about 1943's I Walked with a Zombie. Yes, the Val Luton classic. I reviewed this one on the Midnight Podcast, but it is our next stop in zombie movie history, and so I got to talk about it. I'm contractually bound to talk about that movie so yes so there we go um yeah thank you for listening uh go to midnightcory.com which is my website uh you can call the voicemail of death at 814-806-2828 and uh yeah that's about it uh thanks for listening goodbye as i was in count dracula's castle I felt an icy chill by my feet And I turned around It wasn't the count at all It was another A real bleeding Dracula He bunk his teeth into my neck He sucked his teeth and he sucked like I was lying there I was a vampire I didn't know what to tell The cat when he came back I wanted what to say As I was in camp Dracula's castle The other day I felt I see chill pass by my feet. <laughs>